I used to love going to church with my grandparents, my Nana and my Papa. They went to a, a tiny little Methodist church right there on the outskirts of Aiken County. It was called John Wesley United Methodist Church. Real original for the Methodist. It was a tiny little sanctuary. Had red carpet, had uh, red seat cushions. Uh, it even had a couple chandeliers. It looked a lot like our chapel here at Preston Hollow. Even smelled like it a little bit. You know that little stale smell. But I loved going to church with them every time I could because there was something special about being uh, with 30, 40, 50 people in a sanctuary. I loved watching my grandmother sing. She was uh, one of eight in the choir total. Typically four men, four women. You could always hear her. Most of the time she was on pitch. <laughs> but what I loved the most about going to church with my Nana and Papa was the potluck after church every Sunday. We would uh, all greet the minister right at the front and then we would uh, make our way out the side door and we would find the stairs and we would go downstairs to the basement. There would be a table there uh, where folks had brought in their covered dishes, their Pyrex dishes, and they would have all their food lined up on one table. And I loved getting in that line. I loved peering around to see what other people had put on their plates first so I could strategize about how much room I was going to need for that macaroni and cheese. I loved that there was a, a parallel table. It was uh, set up just like that potluck table. There were about 50 chairs around it. But the most interesting thing was uh, there was no assigned seating. There wasn't a seat just with your name on it, and so you would end up sitting young and old right there next to one another. You would uh, inevitably sit next to someone who had more money than God and someone who was struggling just to make ends meet. I didn't know it at the time, but I'm sure you probably sat next to people who voted differently than one another. You probably uh, sat next to folks who were really excited about being a Methodist and others who didn't even know how to spell Methodist. What I loved uh, about those potluck lunches was the feeling that we were all together, that it felt like one big family sharing a meal. It was unlike any other table that I sat at during the week. It was almost like the communion table got extended to the basement. The rules and the values of this table, this communion table, are different than the rules of the world. This table values something altogether different than what the world values. And the Corinthians have forgotten that. The Corinthians have uh, absolutely forgotten what they are to value the most. And that is their unity in Christ. We have to remember uh, that Corinth was a port city. 
Uh, it was a strategic location. We need to remember that uh, 200 years before the Apostle Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthians, there was an epic battle between the Roman Empire and the Corinthians, and the Roman Empire beat the Corinthians like a drum. And we need to remember that Corinth lay desolate for 100 years. And then the Roman Empire wanted to, you know, increase their trade with neighboring Greece. And so they sent uh, the wealthy elite, they sent working class, they sent slaves to Corinth to rebuild the port. And did they ever rebuild that port? Corinth ends up becoming like uh, Los Angeles or New York City. It becomes the melting pot. People from every corner of the globe find their way to Corinth. And those who had wealth really have wealth. Those who were working class are doing a little better and the slaves are still slaves. But everybody is together. And the people in Corinth have forgotten that um, this seen and be seen value that they have during the week is not the value that we have around the table. It seems that the cultural values have found their way into the church and the Apostle Paul is not real happy about it. You'll hear it directly from him. We're gonna turn to the 11th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians. And we're gonna pick up at verse 17. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. That is a allowing the values of the world to dictate how they live in community together. Paul says, now in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but it is for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear their divisions among you, and I got to tell you, to some extent, I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so it will become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is uh, not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? That's really what Paul says. <laughs> it's what with an exclamation point. That's it. What? Do you not have any homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So uh, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner 
will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. So examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, please wait for one another. If you're hungry, eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. And about the other things, I'll give you instructions about them when I come to church next time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Remind us that you hover here. You hover here just as you hovered over the waters of creation, O God. So we ask that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your word to us here and now. We ask that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The values of this table are different than the values of the world. The values of this table are different than the values of the world. For instance, the early church in Corinth would come to church every single Sunday and they would share a meal together. Now, this is what we need to remember. This was not just uh, grab a gluten-free wafer, eat it, and then hold a shot of grape juice. No, this was a full meal, and it was held in people's homes. And uh, church would be at about five o'clock in the afternoon. And so that means uh, those who were able would get to the church really early. Like the wealthy, the elite, those who had time to spare would come and they would sit right here in the front pews and they would get their seat really close to the table to ensure that they would be fed. Now, if you're going to get to church two, two and a half hours early, you probably better bring a snack. (laughs) And so they did. They would bring food and drink. And so by the time that the service would happen, some of them would be a little toasty. Some would be a little full. You heard Paul say it, not me. I'm just repeating what Paul said. (laughs) But we got to remember, Corinth was a melting pot. Remember? And so that means that there were some folks who worked on Sunday. This was not Chick-fil-A. Some people worked all day Sunday. (laughs) And um, the only room, you people in the back think I never see you, and I do every Sunday. There... (laughs) And so we got to remember, for the slaves in the working class, they would get to these house churches, and every seat in front of them would be filled. 
And so for some of the working class and the slaves, there would be not a seat for them in the sanctuary. They'd be stuck out in the street looking in. And these people who had worked all day long, these people who had been up since the sun was up, working and laboring, people who were hungry, would watch all these folks really close to the table come forward and get some bread and some juice and some wine, and they would eat. And those who had been laboring all day long all they could do is watch. And they would go home just as hungry as they had come to church. Paul says uh, you get together on uh, the Sabbath day and you talk about equity and you talk about love, and you talk about grace, and you talk about forgiveness, and you talk about hope, and you read and remember, but you're not embodying what it is that you say that you believe. Let me put it this way. Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, you're coming to church as Corinthians. But when you come to church, you're not coming as Corinthians. You are forgetting what your true identity is. When you come to church, you don't play by the rules of Corinth. This is not a seen and be seen place. You come to church as a follower of Jesus Christ. And at this table, there is room for everyone because Christ is the host of this table and gave his life, so that is true. The insider and the outsider. The, the sinner and the person who's been in the synagogue every day of their life. The, the infant crying in the back. And the well-aged. Uh, the rich and the poor, the believer and the person who's got a ton of questions, they're not really sure about what they believe. This person from the south side of town and this person from the north side of town. This table, when you come together, church in Corinth, this is the value that you live out of. And that value is the unity that we find in Christ. Did you hear that uh, reflected in your bulletin this morning? Oh man, it was in the call to worship. Take that bulletin home and reread that call to worship every day this week. We too are called to live out of this value of unity. It's why the church is called to gather. 
It's why uh, the church is called together not just in the sanctuary and in worship where we know what to say and what to do. It's why we're called together over in Jubilee Hall and to have second Sunday lunch together so that we can come together as people who find our identity in Christ and yet we may vote differently than one another. I think that there are more conservatives and liberals that shake hands in Jubilee Hall than, than do in Congress. <laughs> and that's the way it should be. It's so that we can gather around table the young who have all the answers to the world's problems and the old who thought they used to have all the answers to the world's problems. It's the reason we gather around the table. Those of us who have been cradle Presbyterians and those of us who are here a little reluctantly trying to figure out this life of faith. We gather around a table those of us who have been married 65 years and those of us who are walking the first days of a painful separation or divorce. We gather around table hetero couples and same-gendered couples. We gather because it's a way for us to put into practice what we say we believe. And we do it here at the church because it's a dress rehearsal for the rest of our lives. I mean, let's, for instance, if we played by the same rules that we do in Jubilee Hall at the business dinner, what would happen? Ooh. If we played by the same rules with our church family in Jubilee Hall with our nuclear family at Thanksgiving, it gets real tough, doesn't it? To embody what it is that we say that we believe. And yet that's the invitation. That's the invitation that Christ brought to each and every one of us. And let me just say, y'all, we don't get it right all the time. I don't. It's hard. I mean, who really can be that loving and kind and forgiving all the time? It's hard. But the invitation still remains to embody what we believe. Very rarely do we get a glimpse of this in the news media. But we did this past Wednesday right here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, someone texted me on Wednesday evening just after the sentencing of Amber Geiger, they texted me the video clip that I would imagine everyone in this sanctuary has seen. I'm gonna say something extremely controversial right now. I wish I had a screen so I could just show it to you. <laughs> I'm kidding, we're not putting screens in. <laughs> Words don't do it justice. Words do not do justice what each and every person I've talked to felt when Botham John's brother Brant 
spoke to Amber Geiger on Wednesday. Much has been said about what he said and equity and why this needs to be said so often from one particular community. And I hear that. There's a time and a place for us to have those discussions. I want to talk about what we felt for one second. When we watched this teenager Look at the person that had just taken his brother a year prior and through choked back tears said things like this. I love you. I do not wish you harm. I want what is best for you. Every time he spoke, I felt the tears well up until there was nowhere for them to go. And they started pouring down my face. And what happened next, I was totally unprepared for. This brother, this younger brother, begs the judge to give the person who shot his brother a hug. Apparently the judge was totally unprepared for this as well because he had to beg her. He said, please. and they ran into one another's arms. That is not playing by the rules of the world. That is not playing by the rules of the world. Friends, I don't know how you get there. I don't know how Brant John got there, except through this table. And it seems to me that he spent a lot of time at that table. The invitation is the same for me and for you. The invitation is actually the same for the whole world. To trust that each and every person that you encounter in your day really does belong to God. And to live like you belong to them and to live like they belong to you. Friends, we are going to come to this table in just a few minutes. 
And we're going to be reminded that millions of people all over the globe today are at similar tables. And you're going to be reminded that we are not here because I invite you or Kathy invites you. We are here because God in the flesh, Jesus the Christ, has made a place just for you and invites you into an entirely new way to live. Let us pray. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, hours and days that are completely unknown. But we pray, O oh God, we would feel your presence so that we can live that we can live in response to your good news. We pray for that grace and mercy to take on flesh in our lives. For we pray in your holy name. Amen.